Welcome to Fucking Cancelled, a podcast about what the left is like, what to do about it, and what it'll be like once we've done it. In today's episode, we talk about the art of making friends, despite the crushing alienation of capitalism and the harrowing trauma of cancellation. Welcome back to Fucking Cancelled. Welcome back to Fucking Cancelled. We are here today to talk to you about friends. Yeah, and we're feeling good. We're feeling organized. We're feeling motivated. Yeah, we force ourselves to ourselves to um, actually plan our podcasting sessions more um more better (laughs) (laughs) the thing is is that both jay and i are super fucking busy and super fucking hectic and chaotic i'm especially chaotic and hectic but yeah it's it's hard to do the podcast on top of anything else everything else but we have decided to be a lot more structured and organized and we have dedicated podcast time we're feeling good. Yeah. We're feeling inspired. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple announcements, some basic stuff we want to get into before we talk about the juicy topic of friendship. Um, we want to remind everyone about our Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash fucking canceled. Mm-hmm. Two L's in canceled. Check us out. Um, there's lots of writing on there that doesn't appear anywhere else. Um, you get some of the behind the scenes and some of the, the juicy... Um, thinking and and brainstorming that goes on um, outside of the podcast episodes so you get more content and it's also really just a way to support the podcast and make sure that we can keep going because this is a labor of love and we really have a lot of expenses um we finally we finally found a new transcriber yeah so for a while we had transcriptions coming out for the episodes and then we stopped working with the transcriber we were working with and we were trying to find another one we have so we're gonna start doing the backlog of episodes that don't have transcriptions so that's something that um the patreon money supports yep as well as just all the the nuts and bolts of the podcast so thank you for supporting us for those of you who are already patrons and for those who aren't check it out and we'd appreciate your support Mm -hmm. um the other announcement is our shirts um the fuck the police means we don't like cops to each other shirts are quite popular and they sell out pretty quickly every time we do a run of them but we're doing a new run soon and these shirts are um made in canada no sweatshops um and printed in montreal yeah by a local company by a local company and we are really excited about them um so we will be putting them up on our store soon um which is fucking canceled.bigcartel.com so if you want to snatch one of those up before they sell out again just uh keep checking the store because once they go up they tend to go fast yeah and And, uh yeah just if you you know didn't know that we have a store we do and we have a bunch of zines on there too um as well as stickers and uh we have a mug yeah we have a fucking canceled mug which is honestly (laughs) a really great call because it's a subtle way to express yourself to your date in the morning (laughs) in the morning (laughs) 
Um, yeah, and then finally, we mentioned it a little bit, um, but we are planning some tours. One is more concrete than the other at this point, but it looks like we're going to go on tour in April um, in the United States of America, um, specifically on the West Coast. So we're still in the process of planning that, but we would like to do a bunch of events. And so if you are in America, um, especially on the West Coast, but we're going to go diagonal across America. Mm-hmm. Um, from Montreal down to California. So if you're somewhere vaguely on that route and you are interested in helping us organize an event, um, you can get in touch with us at fuckingcancelled at gmail.com. Some of you have already reached out and that's great. We are going to use one of our podcast sessions soon to start planning out the tour and we'll be in touch with anyone who's emailed us about that. And yeah, so that's really exciting. Yeah, so that's uh, fuckingcancelledgmail.com. Uh, no you and fucking. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And two L's in cancelled. Yeah, and then in the fall we're considering doing a European tour, but we have more. Um, we haven't really planned that out at all. Yeah. But if you would like us to come to your. Um, your country, your city, etc. Um, you can also get in touch with us about that, but we'll probably be slower about getting back to you because it is um, later in the year. Yeah. So, all that being said, um, yeah, today we wanted to talk about uh, friendship, which is, I don't know, maybe kind of a funny topic, but is um, something that is obviously extremely important to being a human um, and being like a well-rounded and sort of like happy person who is able to exist in the world. Um, and in today's, um, world, it can be kind of hard to have meaningful friendships. Mm -hmm. There's like a bunch of different reasons why that's difficult and why people struggle with it. I actually read recently that, um, the phenomenon, um, in Japan of like what they call shut-ins who are like people who basically like never leave their homes. Um, you know, there was a lot of, like, media stuff about it in the West where they were like, look at Japan, like, so wacky, you know? Um, but that phenomenon has been, um, basically, they've they've seen that it's sp- spreading, like, across the indu- right. indu- industrialized world where, like, a lot of, like, young people basically have no friends, almost no social interactions of any kind, and just, like, live in small apartments and don't leave, you know? Yeah. Um, so this is, you know, I think, that, like... A symptom of like extreme, extreme alienation, and um, basically the exact opposite of what any like healthy human being like wants to be doing. Um, so yeah, that being said, we're going to dive into this topic. Yeah, I think we we want to talk about kind of two things that are connected. One is alienation under capitalism and how that affects our ability to have friends, and then also how that is complicated and made worse by cancel culture and specifically the experience of being canceled. And just the other night, um, I had a birthday party and it was really fucking amazing and really fucking nice. And I've been having these parties at my house. Like when I'm in Montreal, I try to do it like once a month and I have like built this community around myself. These like this, like really robust community where, you know, I can have these like big parties and have all these people come out from like different areas of my life who I have introduced to each other. And it's really fucking nice. And I was talking about it with my therapist about how, you know, just a couple of years ago when I was canceled, I had fucking almost no friends at all. You know, I was in such a state of profound isolation. And in the intervening years, I have slowly built up this like really, really robust network of friends that importantly are not only friends, but they're friends that I can be myself around. They're friends 
who know I'm canceled and are not trying to uh, stab me in the back, you know? Mm-hmm. They're friends that I can trust. And also, they're all different from each other. Like, they're not... It's not, like, subcultural in the sense... I mean, they're definitely disproportionately queer. That's that's, that's true. <laughs> um, Nearing uh, 100% bisexual. But, yeah, but we got, like... We got a couple of gays and at least one, maybe two heterosexuals. So, we got some diversity. Yeah. But... We're not all punks or, like, we're not all into the same kind of, like, aesthetics. Yeah. Um, people are quite different from each other. And, like, there's, a there's a like, a wide yeah, range. Different of, backgrounds. And a wide range of age, yeah. you know? And I think that's really cool. And so I was kind of inspired to do this episode because I want to talk about how I built that, you know? And, like, give people ideas for thinking about how to intentionally prioritize building friends even with this context of like alienation and cancel culture trauma. Yeah. So why is friendship so important? I mean, first of all, we are social animals, right? It's like one of the most basic things about what it means to be a human being is that we're social. Um, Basically, there's no such thing as like a lone human being. Um, Like we always are born into a pack, so to speak, um, and we are imbued with culture and, you know, we we live socially in, in almost every aspect of our lives as a species. Obviously, there's individuals can vary like a lot, but like as a species, like our, our sociality is like very, very important. Um, yeah. And we are like physically evolved to be social animals. Yeah. Like it's it's fucking fundamental. I always tell um, the story about goats, about how goats are social animals mm. and like a goat will like literally die. If it's left alone. Like, and when I was growing up, my family had goats. There were two of them and one of them passed away. And when that one passed away, the goat who had previously hated the family dogs, like went and joined the dogs Mm. and was like hanging out with the dogs Mm. because that is how social these animals are. Like they absolutely need connection. They can't live without it, you know? And like human beings, I think might even be more social than goats, you know, like we're, we're social apes. And so we really fucking require on a biological level, like connection and we're like wired for it. We're made for it. And so I think people feel like fucking shit when they don't have connections. And we have all of this, you know, hypothesizing about like depression and like, you know, like why people feel um, awful. So many people feel so fucking awful, but it's like, well, you know, if you like get up, go to work for eight hours where like your human interaction is with people who you like don't have close relationships with, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then you like come home and like, you know, maybe, maybe you live alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just kind of like, yeah, you're like too fucking tired to do anything. So you just like eat a simple dinner and like go to sleep, get up and repeat. And then like maybe on the weekends, your big social outing is like having some alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, really fucking bleak and it makes sense that people would feel this sense of like despair and like this like longing for something but it's like almost hard to know what we're longing for because we're so fucking alienated and we're so far removed not everyone but so many people now are so far removed from what it means to be embedded in a meaningful social context yeah yeah totally and it's like you can survive you can get by doing that you know like eight hours a day and then you go home and watch tv and like your social interactions are either they're like through the context of work or they're simulated by like television right and like that's enough for like you to not like go completely crazy but it's it's usually like very fucking depressing and it's like and I mean some people do go crazy from it (laughs) you know 100% Um, but like many people end up with these like sort of like chronic 
um, intractable mental health issues that like, you know, they can still kind of get by, but they feel like awful all the time. You yeah. Know? Um, and yeah, one of the issues is that so many people in the modern West, like literally do not have friends or their friendships are like very surface level. It made me think of, um, when you're saying like they simulate it with TV, they also simulate it with podcasts and, yeah. it, and it made me think of yeah. that there's like some kind of meme and it's like a guy sitting next to like one of those like ice cream cutouts. It's like a bunch of people like, eating ice cream and laughing. It's right. an ad, but right. it's like a cutout right. and it's like a person sitting next to it, like laughing. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, like me and my friends on the podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> and actually like people have told me that, that part of the reason why they like listening to podcasts is because it feels conversational, you yeah. know? And like, cool, I guess, but that's also bleak as fuck, you know, that that is like a substitute for real human interaction so yeah definitely listen to the podcast but we encourage you (laughs) we encourage you to make some friends um and then another piece of this beyond the like the social needs that we all have is also just like on a material level it's like taking care of ourselves is fucking a lot of work you know and like you know there's people that are like um talking about Basically, like, cooking and cleaning, and they're like, how can I stay on top of all of these, like, reproductive labor tasks, you know? And it's like, well, we didn't used to do all those reproductive labor tasks ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. We did them in families, yeah, right? Yeah, it was always shared. And it was, there was always, like, there was always, like, a group that was doing them. And now it's, like, so, like, neoliberalism has individualized shit so fucking much that, um... Yeah, we we are, like, exhausted trying to take care of ourselves, right? And so, in a basic way, like, having a robust network of friends and community not only um, means that you're getting your emotional needs met, but in a very material way, it also means, like, when you're fucking sick, you know, people can come and drop off food for you, Mm -hmm. you know? Or, like, when you're having, like, a hard time, there's people who can, like, come and, like, help lift some of the burden. Um, When you're moving, like, you have people to help you move. Like, these sort of basic things that human beings need, it's really fucking hard to do that when you don't have um, community. And, like, we're encouraged now to, like, rely on the market for those things, right? Like, hire movers, like, do Uber Eats, you know? Like... Mm -hmm. Which is, like, so fucking depressing because it's, like, you're alone, you're sick, you're, like, broke. Yeah. (laughs) You're, like, you don't have any friends because you work too much, and now you're spending the money that you have on, like, basically trying to fulfill the things that friendship would have fulfilled for you if you had had time to make friends. So, it's very fucking bleak. Um, And then there's another layer that we want to talk about because this is fucking canceled, which is the impact that cancel culture has on all of this, right? And the the impact the impact of cancel culture and specifically the experience of being canceled that kind of like adds another layer to this like dystopian alienation that we're already talking about. Um, and so basically, um, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast already that like in general, whether you're canceled or not, if you're deep inside the nexus, there's like kind of like a terrifying energy in the air. Is that a fair way of saying it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're, like, encouraged to be hypervigilant, to be, like, monitoring yourself and your friends. It's not conducive to trust. It's not conducive to feeling like you can actually relax and be yourself. Um, if you actually feel like anything you say might be used against you and you might be, like, exiled at any moment, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's like this thing about the Nexus. It's like a weird kind of friendship, you know, that reminds me a lot of, um, you know, like media that depicts like 50s, like housewives, you know, all sort of like very like made up and they're like, you know, they're there with their like like casseroles and they're like, you know, all sitting perfectly and sort of talking about like nothing of of import and like, you know, very, very, very focused on their um, appearance and like how they can, how they're coming off to others and making sure that they're very proper, you know? Like, I don't know, the Nexus has always reminded me of that where it's like those like Stepford Wives, like, you know, women from the 50s or whatever, like couldn't like confide emotionally in one another because it would be seen as like improper or something like that you know what I mean Um, and like a lot of the time in the Nexus it's like your friendships are like very shallow because like you are literally not um, it's not safe to be like open about your like real feelings about things or whatever Um, a lot of the time anyway because it could be like used against you and like will be you know Yeah. Um, so obviously like you know a lot of people seek community in various different ways you know one of the ways that they're encouraged to do so is along the lines of identity um, and along the lines of sort of like um, not even necessarily identity, but like um, ideological positions on identity. Yeah. Right. And then they end up sort of like lost in the nexus. Totally. And like one of the main things that is like a sign of like people feeling safe in their relationships. And it's also something that that like builds relationships is spontaneity in play. Mm-hmm. Right. When people are feeling safe, they're spontaneous and they are they're joking, they're laughing, they're like, they're being silly, um, they're not being guarded, you know? And like that looks differently for different people. But it's also that that time spent in that unguarded, spontaneous play is what deepens relationships, right? And without that, it's hard to deepen relationships. Um, but it's like you can't really do that if you don't feel safe enough to do that. And so for sure, like on a nervous system level, yeah, like you exactly. have to you have to feel safe with people in order for your nervous system to be like this is like a safe situation for me. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So the nexus really prevents that. Um, and then, you know, if you are lucky, unlucky enough to be canceled, it's even worse, right? So if you're canceled, you probably lost many of your important relationships, if not all of them, you experience massive, um, exile. You're treated as a social contagion, which means that like people experience consequences for being friends with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's fucking traumatic. And I really believe that a lot of people who have been canceled would qualify for a PTSD diagnosis. Um, just based on having one myself and knowing a lot of canceled people, like it's very, very similar. Um, the hypervigilance, the like lack of trust and like very, in a very real way, it's an attachment trauma. So there's kind of like two things that are going on. One is like external, which is that you are being exiled. You're being pushed out of spaces. You're being cut off from relationships. You know, people who remain in your life are being threatened and coerced into no longer being your friend. Um, you are faced with the reality that any new connection that you might make, you're going to have to like find a way to to tell them that they're going to get in trouble for being your friend and you don't know if they're going to be willing to take that risk if they're going to turn around and stab you in the back or if they're just going to abandon you you know so that's very stressful yeah and then all of that is taking place in this context of like late capitalist neoliberalism where alienation has reached like a one of its like historical peaks yeah and um we're also coming out of uh, yeah, multiple years of like extreme isolation, COVID isolation, yeah. and just like taking isolation, uh, taking alienation to like ever new, yeah, newly more to fucked up realms. Yeah, and so on top of the like external factors, there's also this internal thing that you are fucking traumatized. And so even if you know you do meet someone who seems relatively safe, 
it's fucking hard for you to trust that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, how do you know? And, like, that's been a big experience for me is, like, almost, like, really heavily testing my new relationships because I was so scared of, like, you know, you say you're, you're not into cancel culture, but really are you, you know? Like, that kind of energy, like, um, feeling really triggered. And, um, yeah, so it's both of those things. And then there's the whole um, topic that I think a lot of canceled people wrestle with, which is, like, the idea of disclosure. Like, at what point do you tell a new connection that you were canceled? Mm. How much do you tell, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, that kind of thing used to fucking stress me out so much when I first started trying to make friends again after being canceled, like, having the talk. Um, And it felt, like, like, much worse than, like, an STI talk. It's, like, you know, being, like, I, many people think I'm a horrible, horrible person Yeah. and being like, do I like defend myself against the accusations? Like how much do I tell them? Mm-hmm. Like all of that was, yeah. does it make me seem guilty if I like start defending myself? Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, some people, you know, they, they, the accusations might be true or they might not be true. So there's like a lot of things that people wrestle with about how much they should disclose, et cetera. Yeah. So we're going to talk a bit about that and what we think about that. Um, but yeah, let's get into the heart of the episode, which is making friends. How do we do it? With all of what we just said about how fucking hard it is, like how do we actually do it? And so what we're going to talk about mainly is like orientation towards the practice of making friends. Like what what should you do in terms of like um, strategy for trying to make friends in an effective way? Mm. And then we'll get into some more concrete things about like where to meet people and stuff like that. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about that I think is the most important um, is the concept of shared principles and that when you're seeking out new connections, what you should be looking for is shared principles more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is, first of all, shared principles are things like, um, do you value kindness? Um, Do you value like loyalty do you um think that it's okay to like dispose of people you know are you are you forgiving are you welcoming like do you do you have a principle about treating other human beings in a way that is gracious and um like yeah Has, has room for their like humanity exactly and so that's the heart of it for me you know is being able to tell if people carry those principles and live those principles in their life. And that is more important than whether or not they have a septum piercing and have their head shaved. Like I used to, I used to (coughs) basically be like, I can only be friends with people who are anarchists. Like that was my, that was my like one criteria, you know? Um, And if you weren't an anarchist, I was constantly trying to make you an anarchist and, or I wouldn't hang out with you, you know, and I wouldn't consider you like a friend. Um, And, the thing about that is that, like, anyone can say that they're an anarchist. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, like, just just saying that you're an anarchist doesn't mean that you have the same principles as me. Yeah. You know, which is something that I learned. Um, and, for example, like, you mentioned, like, valuing kindness. And I think that a lot of people listening might be like, okay, well, everybody values kindness. But it's, like, not actually really true, you yeah. know? Like, a lot of people value cruelty. And, like, they wouldn't yeah. say that, <laughs> yeah. probably. But they think that it's, like, really funny to be cruel. Or they think that, like, in 
plenty of situations being cruel is justified. Or, or even it's, like, justice. Or that it's justice. Or they, like, bond over being cruel about people. Yeah. You know, people who like to spend a lot of time, like, just, like, talking shit. Exactly. Um, and, you know, honestly, like, I love gossip. But, like, I, I'm not interested in just sort of like saying like mean and cruel things yeah. about someone for entertainment you know? yeah but a lot of people are yeah a lot of people actually like really like that you know and you know i'm not going to make them do anything but i'm i don't really want to be friends with people like that because if they're saying cruel things about someone they might be saying cruel things about me um and also it's just like not a way that i want to spend my time you know yeah so that's like just an example of that and a lot of people who you know we're calling themselves anarchists like we're very involved in that kind of thing, you know, or they, you know, they were totally happy to treat people as being disposable or, you know, like lots of different things that, that I realized later on, like go against my principles very profoundly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think inside the Nexus, we're encouraged over so many years to believe that we can only really be friends with people who either share identities with us and, or share, um, similar ideological or political positions, right? Yeah. And we um, will, even as we're deprogramming, we might be holding on to a lot of that, right? One thing that I hear constantly is stuff like trans people like can't be friends with like sort of regular cis people who are not ideologically inside the nexus because it's too dangerous for them or something, right? Right, yeah. Um, or most, usually it's it's... The way that it's said is something like, you know, marginalized folks shouldn't have to, like, organize with bigots or something. Right. Yeah, but even on the level of friendship, like, not even talking about organizing, but, like, on the level of friendship. Like, remember there was, like, that weird article that was, like, can, like, black people and white people really be friends? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, they, totally. they really do say things like this, and they'll be like, you know, it's, it's like, not safe to be to be friends. And I have like met people who like internalize this to such an extreme extent that they literally believe that, that trying to build relationships with people outside of their marginalized identities is like dangerous, you know? Yeah. And it's true that if you're, you know, that like, it is true that somebody might say something ignorant, right. But being able to discern the difference between somebody saying something ignorant and somebody being fucking malicious or cruel or dehumanizing. Right. And that in fact, like if you're looking from a perspective of shared principles, instead of like ideological positions or shared identity markers, then you can start being like, where is this coming from when a person makes an ignorant statement? Right. Mm -hmm. And if you like talk to them about it, are they, um, or they're like, oh shit, like they're like well-meaning, but they just didn't know, right? Yeah, and like one of the things about basing all your friendships on identity or ideology is that you end up like, especially in the case of identity, you know, like you end up not having a friend group that is like a cross-section of society. Like it's only yeah. like it's only like one very specific like sliver of the pie, so to speak. Um, and that's like pretty weird, you know, and, and it's alienating in its own way yeah. right? where you're like not really exposed to exactly. like a broad, like range of, of human experience and stuff. And like one of the things about basing your friendships and your relationships on like shared principles is that, um, you know, like someone could have very different political ideas than me, but be basing them on the same set of principles exactly. as I base mine on, you know, it's just that we've come to like different conclusions about it or we've thought about it in different ways or something. And it is, I think, very valuable to be able to be friends with people like that, even though you might disagree on, like, political topics, um, because, well, first of all, strategically, it allows you to understand what 
other people are thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like very important if you're trying to convince anyone of anything. Um, But also just like spiritually and emotionally, like it's good to to know and not only know, but to be close with people who are different than you. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's an important part of like growing as a human being, you know, and being exposed to different viewpoints and stuff. It's like, it's, it's very important. Like you're stunted if you're not able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very enriching to have different kinds of, of friends. And I would also encourage, you know, to like, if you are in the position where you are kind of still deprogramming from the nexus and you're kind of scared of being friends with like normies, basically, Mm. um, to have an orientation of curiosity, you know, and to realize that like, while there may be things that they are ignorant about, about you and like, you know, what makes you feel, um, supported, what makes you feel seen that you also may be ignorant about things that are important for them in that way. Right. Yeah. Because culturally you're not in the same bubble as them. Right. And you might be doing things that are like rude or like inconsiderate that you would never think of. And like in the Nexus, it's like we have decided, you know, that like we are correct, Mm -hmm. that like our way is the correct way. And so if people are rude to us, then that's violence. But if we are rude to other people, it's because they're just ignorant and they shouldn't be offended by that. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And like, so, you know, just being a bit more curious about what, how people like to feel seen. And, like, sharing how you like to feel seen and seeing if you guys can, like, find common ground on that. Um, And just being a little bit more generous and curious um, and seeking out those shared values. Another piece of this is that I think a lot of people who have been canceled are sometimes so fucking, like, down on themselves. Like, they are so traumatized from being treated like a contagion that they feel like they're lucky if anyone would be their friend, Mm. you know? And so they take this orientation that is more about trying to impress the other person or trying to redeem themselves. And like, it's not just cancel people who do this. Anxious people in general do this where the focus of relationship is not actually like when you're meeting someone new, it should be like about showing who you are and also seeing who they are and seeing if that vibes. Right. And so if you're looking for shared values, you're like really listening to what the other person is saying and, and also watching what they're doing to see if the values that are being demonstrated are like an alignment for you. Right. And you're, you're trying to decide if you want to pursue that friendship, but anxious people. And I think canceled people in particular are so worried about being not good enough, not accepted that they aren't even actually like valuing themselves enough to take an honest look at the other person to be like, do I want to be friends with this person? Mm -hmm. Right. Because you don't necessarily want to be friends with everybody because if somebody is behaving in ways that are demonstrating to you that they don't share your, your principles and your values, that they do think that people are disposable, that they do think it's okay to be cruel, that they do think it's okay to like treat people like shit, then you don't really want to be their friend, you know, and that's fine. So yeah, it's a, it's a balance, you know, cause it's, it's also possible to go too far with this too. Right. And to be like very, um, to have like no sympathy for people who like fuck up or somebody who sort of like, is just like not being their best self or something like that, you know? Um, and I don't know, at least according, according to my own principles, it's like a good idea to be like gracious and to give people, you know, chances and stuff. But yeah, like, it, it, it really is a balance and like finding that balance is can be a tricky thing, but comes with, yeah, comes with just don't go too far on one side or the other. And if you find that you're like, cause like I have seen people cancel people that I've like been talking to who are just so fucking desperate that they'll basically put up with anything. And I think it can create really unhealthy relationship dynamic where if you like have someone who's willing to not cancel you, but they're like your only friend. Right. Um, 
they might treat you like shit. Yep. And you might feel like you have to put up with that because, and it's very similar to like abusive relationship dynamic, like domestic violence, where the person's like, oh, you're so lucky to have me. Nobody else would want to be with you. Like, right. it's a similar thing. And because you're living in a culture that is treating you like that and is making relationships so scarce, you might really feel like, okay, I need to hold on to what I have. But not necessarily, right? Not every relationship is going to be for you. And like the process of making friends is like, you know, trying out a bunch of different things and seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, totally. And then I just, want to say a little bit about the disclosure piece that we were talking about earlier. So there was a big shift for me when I first started trying to make new friends um, after being canceled. I really approached it in this way where I felt like I was disclosing my cancellation. You know, I felt like I needed to have this talk and it felt very weighted and very serious and very stressful. And I felt like I had to tell them what I was accused of. Right. And like, defend myself sort of and also like be really like transparent and all of this and it really felt bad like it felt like I was revealing like some kind of dirty secret about myself Mm. and also it created this sort of weird power imbalance where I was sort of being like do you still want to be my friend after all of this right you know and I don't like treating myself like that because to be perfectly honest I'm a lovely person and I'm a great friend. You're a cool guy. And so if someone, like someone would be lucky to have me as a friend. Okay. And so (laughs) (laughs) it's true. And it's important to have that confidence going forward. Like friendship is not something that people are granting you, you know, you are giving something to them too. Friendship is about reciprocity. So like they are also lucky to be your friend. If you both decide to be friends, you're both lucky. Okay. (laughs) And so like, Instead of disclosing, I shifted it to be very clear about my principles and my values and, yes, to specifically talk about cancel culture, right? So in my new friendships, I talk about cancel culture early on and I say how I think it's wrong, you know? And I have a conversation about how that aligns with my principles, why I think it's wrong, and I see how they respond to that, you know? And then if they respond positively to that, if they're like, you know, either like, yeah, I totally agree. Or they're like, oh, wow, interesting. Like, I hadn't thought of it exactly like that, but I totally see what you're saying, you know? Then I feel like they're a safe enough person that I might want to disclose a bit about my own story. Not because I'm being like, ooh, I have to tell you this, but because because that's a, a true experience that I've had. And that's part of, like, building intimacy is, like, talking about my experience, you know? Um, does that make sense? That makes sense. So, yeah, I think shifting that frame in your mind from, like, I'm disclosing a horrible secret to, like, in fact, I'm assessing how this person, like, responds to the idea of cancel culture to see if they're a good fit for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, flipping it around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, anything more on that? Mm, No, I don't think so. So, the next thing I wanted to talk about is basically being proactive and initiatory in the process of making friends and how this ties in with kindness and being welcoming. So I think in general, you know, we don't, we don't get taught how to make friends, Mm. right? Like we, when we watch like TV shows or like when, when that's sort of like, when we get like images of people who have friends, it's kind of like, they don't show you, like, what was the process of making those friends. Yeah, usually, yeah. Like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. And how did they build that relationship, Mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of people just have the sense that, like, it should just be organic. It should just happen naturally. 
that that often happens with like romantic shit too in movies and TV shows where yeah. like two people just sort of like are thrown together for some reason yeah. and then there's like sparks and and then basically they decide that they're in love or whatever but like very often it doesn't show like why exactly why they would fall in love with one another or like anything like that anyways yeah sorry continue yeah and so I think a lot of times when people don't have a lot of friends or they don't have close friends or they don't have the amount of friends or the quality of friends that they would like they can go to this very intense like shame place where they think there's something inherently wrong with them because if they were a desirable person then friendship would just happen right yeah and that's a terrible place to be it's not true and it's not helpful Mm -hmm. you know so instead it's like more taking a proactive approach of being like if you want friends you have to actually do stuff (laughs) to get friends right you know and that means that you need to actually extend friendship like you need to make friendship moves on people (laughs) okay And, like, this can feel scary, and it it can feel vulnerable, right? Because you're, like, putting yourself out there. But it's a practice. And the more that you do it, the less scary it gets, you know? And if it doesn't work out with one person, you know, you're trying trying with someone else as well, right? You're trying to be friends with lots of people. And so, like, expressing that you're interested in being friends with someone, asking them to go for coffee, you know, following up, um... And being really, like, kind, saying nice things to them and about them and talking about, like, oh, I'm interested in what you're interested in. Like, let's have a conversation. Like, because people also want friendship. Like, not just you, right? And so, like, I think it's, like, we are encouraged to to value each other almost as products Mm. in this way where it's, like, we are supposed to be as cool as possible. And then the other person is cool. And then we're like, we want to be friends because we're both cool. Right. But it's like, actually, people just really like having relationships that are fun and nice. Yeah. And so instead of trying to focus on being the coolest person that you can be, and then hoping that will magically mean you have friends, try being friendly. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Try being friendly to make friends. And just, like, extending that, like, asking people how they're doing, asking people if they want to hang out, and, like, following up, you know? Um, And because of the alienation, it's like... You have to actually really make an effort to do that because, unfortunately, our social situations don't really allow for it anymore because we don't have, like, just, like, robust social spaces in our day-to-day lives. So you really do have to go out of your way to do it. Yeah. It's it's hard, too. Like, I'm not necessarily particularly good at uh, reaching out to new people and trying to, like express my interest in them and like you know trying to actually make stuff happen like it's something that you have to work on you know it's something you have to be like willing to do um it can be tricky but it's a it's a muscle you have to exercise you know yeah, yeah. i would say that i have become extremely good at it mm-hmm. and i think like the advice that i would give to people is one like just try to be confident in the sense that like it's not about you like being the coolest person as i was saying like just try to remember that you have something to offer And that a person would be lucky to be your friend. So, like, try to ground yourself in that place so that you're not feeling all insecure and weird, you know? Which obviously can take time, but, like, try to ground yourself in that. And then also, you know, just reach out and, like, actually be, like, ask people to do things. And, like, you do have to get comfortable with rejection because, like, it's going to happen. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. But literally be like, hey, would you like to go for coffee? 
They're like, oh, sure, I might like that. Okay, great. When would you like to do that? I have my calendar out. You know what I mean? Like actually being like direct and specific and clear about the fact that you're trying to initiate a social time. Um, Yeah. 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 And being persistent about it, like within reason. Yeah. um, Can really can really help things along. And it's true that a lot of people, if you ask them to, you know, hang out or something, they'll be like, yeah, sure. Sometime. Yeah. You know, I do that too. Yeah. You know, and just be like, okay, what would work for you? And like, sure. If a person is being so vague and flaky every single time, it might be that they're like not asserting a boundary and they just don't feel like hanging out or whatever. So move on. Like you can definitely, you know, you don't want to overdo it, but like, yeah, some persistence is definitely um, a good idea. Yeah. And I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, yeah, just like, you know, if it's not working with somebody, like, you can just, you can just move on and try that with somebody else. Yeah, and you should be actually, like, approaching multiple people, like, even possibly all at once. Be slutty with your friends. Be slutty with your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, (laughs) the, the only way to build trust, you know, and the capacity for trust is literally through relationships. And so I think a lot of people have this idea they should like get their mental health all sorted and fixed and then they should go have friends you know because they're too crazy right now to have friends but the thing is is that we actually build our mental health and our our capacity for trusting relationships by having relationships right so you kind of got to go as you are obviously like get a therapist and like take care of yourself and stuff like that but like if you're feeling totally panicked and stressed about the concept of trying to make friends that's not going to go away until you actually try to start making friends Unfortunately, that's how it works. Yeah. So you kind of have to go in already feeling scared and stressed and you have to practice and it will get easier with time. I do promise you that, but it is hard at first and you have to have a bit of grit and a bit of tolerance to actually withstand those negative feelings and do it anyway, because it's a priority for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Go on. <laughs> you need grit. Yeah. You need grit. It's yeah. really important. Um, so. Yeah, and so with this, it's it's like, be persistent, keep trying, reach out to a wide variety of people, you know? Don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Because if, and I've seen canceled people do this, okay? And I really advise against it. Especially with romantic relationships, I have seen canceled people get into a romantic relationship with someone who is cool with the fact that they're canceled, right? Who's, like, supportive about that. And then this person basically becomes obsessed, Because it's like they have a place where they're getting their emotional and, like, relational needs met. And so they want to fucking cling to that, right? And then they, like, squeeze the life out of the relationship because they're leaning on it way too fucking hard. And the other person gets super overwhelmed. So you need to diversify. You need to reach out to multiple people, have multiple different types of relationships. Not all relationships are going to be your bestie or, like, your closest confidant. But also, just, like, going for a walk with someone or going for coffee is going to feel good, you Mm -hmm. know? It's going to make you feel more included in the world. Um, And so, like, lean into that. And also, like, you know, social relationships don't just even have to be friends, right? What's your relationship like with your barista? What's your relationship like with your post office lady? If you go to the post office as often as I do. But, like, you know, like, there's, there's people you see every day. And, like, having positive social interactions with those people, even if you're not friends, is a good way to, like, flex that muscle to build those skills and also to, like to feel like belonging in the world, you know? So like really practice it and, and keep trying. Um, and the more that you do it, the, the easier it will get to trust people. Yeah. Um, it's true. Um, I think also 
I don't know. I really like. Okay, part of part of like the putting all your eggs in one basket thing, like that Clementine was just talking about. Like people, you know, finding one relationship in which they're not being like disposed of, and then like clinging to it with all their might, which you know can, like we mentioned, it can create a sort of like dynamic where you can be, you know, exploited um, because of the power imbalance there. But it can also create a situation where you're suffocating the yeah. relationship you know um in either in either case it's 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 bad but part of that i mean that is part of the same pattern as people um doing elaborate like people pleasing and like trying to change their own personalities to fit like anyone who might be their friend you know because you're feeling so like lonely mm-hmm. and so isolated and you're just like I, I need like anybody um and there's people who you know people do this because they're they're canceled but people also do this you know who just struggle um, with like self-esteem or who are very like anxious about their relationships and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately like what ends up happening when you're in situations like that is that you're not in authentic relationships. Yeah. Those relationships are part of a like mask, you know, um, you're not, you're not interacting in, in an authentic manner with those people. Um, you can't be yourself. Um, and so you might be getting like some of your social needs met by relationships like that, but definitely not all of them, you yeah. know, and you're going to be like holding on to things that you can't say to anyone, you know, you're going to feel like you can't be yourself. And, um, ultimately that can be like a very lonely and, and alienating experience. And I think that like being authentically yourself, um, and being honest and open about who you are can feel very scary because like what if people reject that right but at the end of the day like it also filters out all the people who are going to reject that right and who you end up with is the people who accept you for who you are authentically right and then you're friends with people who accept you for who you are authentically and that is like a much more nourishing space to be in relationally yeah um than to be with a bunch of very cool people who all yeah. look cool together but who can't like tell each other about their feelings yeah exactly or you can't be just like yourself like your actual self you know like if you constantly have to be putting on a show to be with people it's not it's not fundamentally satisfying <laughs> what did you say earlier like if you're a jokester you have to yeah <laughs> if you're a jokester like stop trying to be all serious and cool like you know it's fine to be a jokester like yeah and like you know i think there's a balance with this with some of the stuff we were saying earlier because you know the the goal is not to be yourself so that you can just be friends with people who are exactly like you right you're going to be friends with people who are different from you but they're going to be people who can also accept you for who you are mm-hmm. right And the more that you can be yourself, like really see it as like a challenge, like the the more yourself that you can be, the better. Um, So be honest about like what you think, what you feel, Um, be honest about like, you know, what you're into and like how you like to spend your time and like, just, you know, be yourself. Truly, truly, it's very important. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, people pleasing just leads to shallow, unhappy relationships that aren't going to meet your needs anyway. And, like, being, like, a social animal and, like, you know, especially when you're on the the journey of prioritizing building new relationships, yeah, there's going to be a lot of rejection. And, like, the, the key is not to internalize that as, like, some fundamental, like message about your worth as a human being Mm -hmm. you know because Mm -hmm. everybody is not necessarily going to get along with everybody else you're not necessarily going to vibe with everyone and that's fine be yourself and you will find the people who you're vibing with exactly
And remember... Vibing is better than thriving. Vibing is more important than thriving. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and, you know, this is fucking canceled, so we constantly talk about boundaries, so we're going to, like, throw in a little bit, a little... um, well, something about boundaries here, but um, remember that you're allowed to have them, you know? I mean, we've basically, we've we've made this point, like, five times already, but it's, like, really important. Like, you are worth, you are worth it, you know? Like, people will be lucky to be your friend because you will be a good friend to them, and um, that means that if people are behaving in ways that are just unacceptable to you, like, you don't have to be their friend, and they don't have to be yours. Yeah. And you're allowed to exit that relationship. You're allowed to have, you know, hard lines over which you, like, you will not accept people crossing. Um, and by the same token, they're allowed to have those boundaries too. And people having boundaries that make it so that they understand that they no longer should be in a relationship with one another is an okay thing. It is painful, but sometimes it is definitely for the best. And it's important to understand that. And it's important not to let people trample your boundaries, um, especially without um, actually telling those people what your boundaries might be. Mm -hmm. If you are aware of what your boundaries around something are and then you don't communicate them, um, I mean, it's a recipe for um, heartbreak, you know? And it's a recipe for helpless rage. Shout (laughs) out out Lance Dodds. But, you know, obviously there's like the, the more like heavy hitter severe boundaries that Jay is talking about. But there's also like a whole fucking range of boundaries, right? Maybe you don't like to talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't text back right away, right? Like how do you like to be in relationship? And how other people like to be in relationship and how you like to be in relationship aren't going to be a perfect match, right? And so, so much of the skills of relationships is about finding the right compromises that fit your boundaries together, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, very, very often it's totally doable and it's not going to lead to the end of a relationship just because you guys have different boundaries. Right. And and a lot of people, they think, I mean, either there's people who think that like being in a relationship means that they need to fit themselves to the other person's boundaries. And then there's people who think that being in a relationship means that they, the other person needs to fit to their boundaries. Right. Right. And both of those people need to find the middle ground. Right. There's no right or wrong way to have relationships as long as you're being, you know, basically like kind and respectful and like, you know, people are very fucking different. There's some people who are like, oh, I would really love to be texting like all day, every day. And there's other people who are like, I actually like kind of look at my texts once a day and I take a while to get back to people. And like, so communicate about that stuff and see where the middle ground is. Um, and like learning how to, um, how to like communicate about your boundaries and also how to receive other people's boundaries is kind of like a subtle art, you know, Mm -hmm. that I think takes a lot of practice because if you are, you know, like, I don't know, sometimes, you know, people are giving signals and you don't know what they mean exactly. Right. And I feel like you can either ignore them. Like some people ignore them and kind of push past them. Other people will be like, okay, that's a sign. I should definitely just not. What's an example of a signal that you're talking about? I'm thinking about when I'm trying to hit on girls, but that's not really related (laughs) to this episode exactly, but it's, like, kind of related. Like, you know, a lot of the times in dating women, I would find that, like, we're on a date, but they're, like, looking everywhere except for at me, turning their body, like, away from me, and, like, talking a mile a minute about everything else that's not related to us being on a date or anything, Right. right? Right. So, like, when I first started dating women, I was like, the fuck is this? And I would really take all of that combination of body language as information that they were not interested, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, I decided to, like, test that hypothesis by asking them, (laughs) like, hey, what's going on? Do you want to kiss me? And, like, literally every single time, they were like, yes. So what I realized was that, like, my interpretation of the body language was not correct, right? Right. Right. So that's, like, in a dating context. But 
you know, people could be kind of like flaky or like withdrawn or standoffish. And you might take that to mean, oh, they're not interested in being my friend. It might mean that, but it might mean something else. They could be nervous. They could be nervous. Maybe they don't like have the exact same like pace of like building relationships as you do, yep. you know? Totally. Um, so like their own self-esteem issues could be coming into it. Exactly. And so like just sort of keeping that in mind and not making so many assumptions and like kind of finding ways to like gently inquire yeah. without being like super intense about it. Like we need to have a talk, but just sort of being like, Oh, like, you know, and, and it gets easier with time, but it is definitely a practice to sort of be like, what are people communicating and like, and how do we make this work? for both of us in a way that's like feels okay within our boundaries. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of dating girls, okay, this, this is going to be my segue into this next section. Um, like, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but um, a lot of people have pointed out that um, with dating and like trying to find people's date and stuff, there's often this kind of like feedback loop that can take place where like, once you like when you're like single and looking it can be like really hard to find people but then like once you're like you have like a partner or like a bunch of people that you're dating or whatever like lots of people become interested in you it's kind of this like um never rains but it pours kind of like phenomenon that people have noticed but i think that like it's real to a degree um because people can sort of like sense that you're um you know that that other people are interested in you so that might mean that like you're interesting or it can be that like if you're like around a lot of people all the time you like meet other people mm. you know and so one of the one of the ways in which this um intersects with like the topic of finding friends and stuff is that like friendship can also be like this where um when you're like in this state where you're like wow it's like i feel like i have no friends and i'm like really like struggling to like make new friends and stuff it can it can it, it can be really hard you know um and it can take a long time and you can become really dispirited with it. But then, like, it can snowball once you start making friends. And you can help this along by networking, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, I guess networking is kind of like a HRE kind of, like, term. But, like, I guess you guys know what we mean. Like, where you're introducing people to each other from other parts of your life, you and know? And you don't have to think of and it like HR. Think about it like mushrooms. Or, mushrooms underground. They're yes. in a network, too. True. It is true. It is true. <laughs> You could be a, a mycelium. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like introducing people to each other and not only introducing them, but bringing them together physically, yes. like like at events or whatever, um, is a really good way to start massively expanding your social network. Because like if you introduce some people and then you have like an event and they bring people that they also know, then you have like friends of friends from like multiple friends of yes. friends all in the same room together. And um, you know, not necessarily you're going to get along with every single one of those people, but like your pool of people that you can, um, find out if you get along with them has just expanded. Yeah. Right. And if you keep doing this, it expands like exponentially. Right. Yeah. And then, so you have this like much bigger pool of people who you can like, you know, get to know and, you know, also potentially be dating or like having other kinds of relationships with, whether it's like, you know, obviously like sexual or romantic or whatever, but also it could be like political relationships that you're mm-hmm. working on or relationships that are not necessarily like a classical friendship, but like maybe you like to play chess, you know, and you exactly. like meet people who you can like play chess with. And like, you know, maybe they're not people who you would like confide secrets about your, your relationship or something, but they yes. might be people who it feels really, really good on a Wednesday night to go play chess with like your chess friends. Yes. And this is, I am glad you brought this up because I, I hadn't really thought to talk about this in this episode, but I think it's really important. I think that this is, like, almost like a polyamorous approach to friendship Mm. because polyamorous people do this with our dating lives where because we're not expecting one person to meet all of our, like, relational needs, 
it's very normal for like polyamorous like dating relationships to kind of be all sorts of different ways. Mm. You know, it's like maybe you have one relationship that is like more classically like what people think of as like a partner and it's meeting like romantic friendship and sexual, but then you might have like other relationships where it's like, wow, we really only vibe on a sexual level, but we really enjoy that, you know? And then, or maybe you have one where it's like, we enjoy each other's company, but like, we don't see each other all the time. We see each other like once a month or something. Right. And friendship can be like that too, where it's like, not everybody has to be everything to you. Yeah. And and there's different kinds of friends. Yeah. And they're all important. Like they all, they all help to make you feel more like you belong in the world. They all feed your emotional needs, you know, in different ways. Yeah. So like, you know, there's people that like, I know at the dog park who Mm -hmm. I see every day at the dog park and like, I have a dog park relationship with them and that's important. And I'm excited to see them and talk to them, but like, I'm not like calling them on the phone or like seeing them or inviting them over to my house, you know, but that doesn't mean that there's not a relationship there. You know, there's some people who I see, like, every week. And then there's people who, like, I maybe see, like, every couple months. But those relationships are all important. Yeah. And And with the networking thing, I just want to – I want to talk a little bit about my, my parties, okay? <laughs> so, basically, like, I – after I was canceled, I went through this, like – slow period of trying to make friends and I made friends you know you know I had some friends who had not canceled me like a few I had like various like tinder date people that I had met you know and like people that I met through through my work just like various different slight relationships and each relationship that I started to make I would do this like this like assessing if we have the shared values thing, right? So I would go through a process of talking to them and getting to know them and seeing if we're vibing on the level of our shared principles. And once I once I discovered that these people were trustworthy and that they were in alignment on their values about not disposing of people, of being welcoming, of being kind, you know, what I started to do is I started to invite these people all together. And it was a very interesting social experiment at first because a lot of these people did not know each other, Mm -hmm. right? They had not met each other and they were all kind of random people that I had met from various different areas of my life who might not necessarily on the surface have anything in common with each other except that I had assessed that we share certain principles, right? And then I started having these like gatherings and at first they were kind of small. I'd have like a barbecue where I would like get people to come and meet me and go swimming at the river, you know, and now I'm having these fucking banger parties. And one of the things that's cool about it is I really just like send these invites to like everyone that I know and I'm like, come to my house and I'm very like welcoming. I'm like, yeah, please come. We'd love to have you, you know? And if someone is like, they don't know anyone. I really am just like, yeah, I know it's a bit awkward. It's a bit shy. Like to like go somewhere we don't know anyone, but like we're all really welcoming and like, we'd love it if you come, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have come who like literally don't fucking know anyone there, which is like fucking brazen as fuck, you know? And they like show up and then I've been able to like mingle all these different people together and like relationships have formed and like connections have been made and it's like really fucking cool. So, you know, that took me like years to get to this place where I was able to do this But it's, like, really fucking cool. And I really recommend introducing your friends to your friends. Like, whether you're having a party or, like, a gathering of some kind or you're just sort of being like, I have this one friend and this other friend. Maybe we should all go for coffee. If you want a crew, you can make a crew. Yeah. And it's a good idea. You know? Yeah. And so, finally, um, the last thing about, you know, friendship skills or how to orient to friendships is just the idea of, of investment. Investing in friendships and investing in relationships. Relationships... Um, don't just happen. In fact, there's an Ursula Le Guin uh, quote that I'd like to throw in here. Let's go for it. Um, love does not just sit there like a stone. 
it needs to be made again, like bread made new. (laughs) And I think that's fucking beautiful. It shows that relationships are not just like a static object that you own. They're a dynamic process that you create with the other person, Right. right? And so what that means is that if you neglect it and you don't invest in it, it will wither, you know? And so like we were just saying, different relationships have sort of different standards for how much investment is needed and not all are going to be like heavy investment relationships, but relationships do require a certain level of investment. And so like what that looks like is that you actually have to show the other person that you care about them and that you're thinking about them and that you're there for them. Um, so concretely, it means like texting them and being like, how's it going? You know, checking in on them. One thing that I did um, after my ayahuasca experience was I fucking started texting all my friends and asking them what their birthday is because like, I don't fucking remember people's birthdays, you know? Mm. And so I like went through and like put people's birthdays in my calendar so that I can remember to like contact them on their birthday right? and be like, I'm thinking of you because I care about you. And like, I want to be like, yo, wow. I want to do that. I also cannot remember anyone's birthday ever. You were fucking born, man. Good job. I'm fucking excited about that. Like, it's good that you're here. You know, like people want to feel like they're important and like they matter. And like, that's what a friendship is, is showing that to each other. So do it, like fucking show up, send the text, tell people that they matter to you, you know, make time, like ask them what they're doing, like, you know, have your regular time that you see each other, whatever it is. Um, And also like be there for people in like a concrete way, you know, like if people are sick, fucking like ask them if they need anything, you know, like bring them food, like show them that you're there for them, not just like when things are going great and like it's all cool and nice, but also when things are hard, you know, helping people move is a friendship power move, you know, (laughs) it is. It's true. Like be, be there for people and then people will be there for you and it will also like build trust and intimacy into the relationship. Yeah. Okay, so one thing that people struggle with a lot is where to meet people, you know? And I think that back in the day, um, before the rise of, like, dating apps um, and, like, social media, it was way more normal to um, basically just, like, approach people who, like, looked interesting and, like, talk to them in various ways, you know? Um, And... I don't really go to bars much anymore, but I feel like it also used to be more normal back in the day to approach people at bars. Like people definitely still do it, you know, but it's, it's a bit, it's, it's not as like socially, um, accepted as it always was before, you know? Um, and also in general, I feel like people are very sort of like, um, very invested in their social media relationships, Um, and since we only have so much like time in the day, you know, that, that can like take away from our, our IRL relationships. Right. Um, obviously this doesn't apply to everyone, but it's a thing, but yeah. So like, where, where do we meet people to be friends? You know, like there's, um, there's a lot of locations that we, um, that, that people go to on like a, a regular basis that other people also go to on a regular basis. And that can be like a place to have recurring, um, relations with people that aren't yet relationships, right? And, like, an example of that could be, like, a dog park, right? So, like, Clementine has a dog, um, of which I am also a co-parent. Um, and, you know, we take the dog to the dog park, like, every morning. Um, and 
so we see people at the dog park, right? And like those those people become relationships. Maybe they're not our best friends, but they're people that we know, that we see, we know their names, or at least we know their dogs' names. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ask them how they're doing, and we know things about their lives, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and some of those people might become like actual like good friends, right? Yeah. I also think you know if if you're super lonely, I would recommend considering getting a dog. Because not only is a dog a beautiful relationship unto itself, but having a dog is an extremely social experience. Yeah, like apart from the dog park, like people also just like walk up to you and start talking people to you talk like all to the time. All the time because you have a dog. And also like dog people always have stuff to say to each other mm-hmm. because we have dogs. We're talking about dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so like it's funny because it's like in in alienated capitalism land, it would be weird for me under most circumstances to like walk up to a stranger and just start talking to them. Yeah. But I walk up to dog people and talk to them all the time, even if I don't have Clover with me. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, what a cute dog. Like, you know. And the other day, like some dog started hanging out with Clover on the street and then you ended up giving that girl your phone number. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. like this, this woman was, I had a dog that was like vibing with Clover. And then I was talking to her about the dog park, asking her if she goes and she turned out to be new to the city. And like, we got to talking about how she doesn't really know where anything is. And like, she doesn't know a lot of people here. So I ended up like exchanging phone numbers with her. Yeah. So like that kind of thing is cool. Yeah. And then another context that can be good for this kind of thing is, I mean, for us, like 12 step meetings and for other people who don't go to 12 step, like there's, there are like comparable sort of like self-help or therapeutic um, kind of places that you might go to. Um, and that can be a good place to meet people who, um, you know, there's there's different kinds of relationships that you can enter into with them. Like it can be just like supportive, you know, but also like a lot of the time you end up making like really good friends with people who have been going through similar struggles as you, right? I really recommend 12-step meetings if you qualify for any fucking program. Yeah. Which you probably do. <laughs> um, I really recommend them. You know, of course, like I feel obligated to say they're not for everyone, but like I think it's worth trying because I actually think the 12-step meetings are like one of the most unalienated spaces that I've ever been in mm-hmm. because it is so encouraged in those spaces to extend kindness to strangers. Extremely normalized to walk up to people and give them your phone number, yeah. ask them what they're doing after the meeting if they want to go for a burger, like whatever, you know, yeah. it's like really, really normal. Yeah. And so like so many of my like strong and lasting friendships, I met in AA. Yeah. Same. I met Jay in AA. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like, I really think that it's a great place. And like, because it has this like normalized, like vulnerability and this like normalized kindness where you're just like, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to be a mess. It's okay to be honest. And also like, it's expected that people are fucking nice to each other, you know? Yeah. It would be it's fucking weird if somebody's being like mean or snobby in an AA meeting, you yeah. know? Yeah. So like definitely um and there's a lot of 12 step fellowships, like not yeah. just for addiction, like there's, there's 12 steps for like alcohol obviously, for narcotics. There's also 12 steps for um sex and love. There's 12 steps for people who had abusive uh, parents. Yeah. There's 12 steps for people who have people in their life who are addicts or yeah. alcoholics. Um, there's like 12 steps for overeating. There's really like a ton of fucking fellowships. There's 12 steps for screen addiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you should definitely check that out if you can. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So, and like, those are the main, honestly, for me is like 12 steps is one of the main ways that I've made like relationships in real life. Dog park is also really good. But, you know, lots of people make friends at work, you know, um, if if you have, like, a, a colleague who, like, you get along with, like, maybe, like, ask them if they'd ever want to go for, like, a drink or for a coffee. Um, if you... Ask them how they feel about unions. <laughs> while you're at it. Yeah. Um, you know, also, like, volunteering or doing political organizing work, any kind of a situation where you are, like, a book club. And you can also, like, look online and see if there are things in your local community where people are, like, physically meeting. Yeah. 
and go there, you know, yeah. and then just like see if you're vibing with any of those people and see if, you know, maybe you want to like exchange phone numbers or like go for a coffee and like going for a coffee is just like a very low stakes way to like vibe out if you guys want to kind of be friends, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's pretty normal to just be like, oh, like I like, um, like, yeah, we've seen each other at this group a bunch of times. Like, would you want to like yeah. go for a coffee sometime? And I would say, like, a lot of people in the past have asked me, like, what a good way is to make friends, you know. And I always recommend volunteering. Um, I think it's an amazing way to make friends. If you're not, like, too exhausted from work and stuff and if you have a bit of free time, um, volunteering. Shelters almost always need people. Um, and the people that you will be working with at shelters are people who, or other people who wanted to go work at a shelter. Yeah. Which means that they're, like... Not necessarily going to be awesome people, but, like, they probably are pretty awesome, yeah. you know? It's, like, people who are, like, I want to give my time away in a productive, yeah, helpful manner. To people you know? who need it, yeah. Yeah, and they tend to be, like, really cool people. So, like, I would say, yeah, if you live in a city and you're trying to make friends, go volunteer at a shelter, soup kitchen, whatever, um, and just after your shift, ask people that you just worked with if they want to go for coffee, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then finally, you know, there's the internet and we, you know, like the reality is, is that the internet is fucking in our lives. Right. And we are in there, we are online. So how can we use the internet in a way that is like conducive to actually making real life friendships? Right. Mm. So there's two things I want to talk about here. One is dating apps. I actually think dating apps are a great way to make friends. They can be. Controversial take, but I think it's true. You know, we complain a lot about dating apps. There's many aspects of dating apps that are super annoying. Yes. But it's also cool to have an injection of a random person into your social circle that you otherwise wouldn't have met, right? They're also just very normal. Like, everyone uses them. Yeah. It would be, like, silly to pretend that they don't exist. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to just randomly go out for coffee with someone that you have no, like, that you would not meet in any other way. You know what I mean? Like, that you don't have, like, you're not both, like, in any kind of context, right? And because Mm -hmm. we do have so few shared social contexts and like you were saying like with like people working all the fucking time maybe you don't have time to volunteer or maybe you don't have a lot of time to like join a book club or something but you do have time to like randomly go on a tinder date once in a while like you know not all of them are gonna you're not necessarily gonna hit it off but it is a cool way and i mean like i'm polyamorous you know jay's polyamorous so like for us like just going on dates is like a cool thing because it's like yeah it's cool to date people but also sometimes it doesn't work out in a dating way and it's does work out in a friendship way, yeah, you know? And, totally. like, a lot of people that I know in a friendship way, I met through initially going on dates with them. Totally. You know? And so I think that that's really cool, and I, I recommend it. And also, like, even if you're not polyamorous and you're, like, um, you know, whatever, in a relationship, I do think that it's, some people do use um, dating apps. Just like, to make friends. Just to make friends. Yeah. And you can just say that. And also, like, I don't know how much people use it, but Bumble actually has, like, a friendship option. Yeah, true. Where you can, like, swipe for friends. Yeah. So, try it, you know? Um, and, like, you know, I'm sure on Tinder, if you... Like, I've seen people's profiles that say that, that are, like, I'm looking for friends, you yeah. know? Definitely I'm, lots I'm, of people on there are thirsty and they're trying to get laid, so keep it in mind. For sure. Grinder too, has, like, a looking for friendship option. <laughs> Um, yeah, because you can say what you're looking for, you know? Yeah. And it's like, right now, or friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Aw. Make friends on Grindr. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to say is that, like, yes, social media can be, like, an insane alienation, time suck, you know, that brings you further from yourself and from God. But <laughs> that being said, 
you know, I actually have found that, you know, being an extremely online person, I found that like, you know, I often will like sort of follow someone who follows someone like, you know what I mean? Like people follow you and you're like, Oh, who is that? And then you follow them. Mm. And like that can happen where it's like, say you're like, I don't know, looking at your friend's Instagram and like, you're just like seeing like a person following them that's commenting. And then you're like, who's that? And you click on it and you're like, Oh, they seem cool. And then you follow them Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you have like mutuals and sometimes your mutuals are literally in your city. Yeah. Those mutuals can be friends. Okay. Yeah. Bringing people from the social media realm into the real world realm is an awesome thing to do. Like I really recommend it. And if you're like mutuals with someone and you guys live in the same city or close by to each other, like just go hang out. literally message them and say like, Hey, we should go for coffee. Like definitely do that. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's a good idea. Like just recently, like just for my last party on the day of my last party, I realized that someone who I was mutuals with lived in Montreal, who I like didn't realize lived in Montreal. For some reason, I thought that they lived somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, shit, this person literally lives in Montreal. And like, they seem cool. So I messaged them and I was like, you should come to my party tonight. (laughs) I was also like, we should go for coffee. Like, in general. They They fucking came to the party and it was like really cool. And like, they like talked to a bunch of people and they were really nice. So, like, yeah, definitely. like, if you know people online in some capacity who, like, live in your city, don't sleep on it. <laughs> Fucking ask them to go for coffee. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, to wrap it up, like, this is definitely going to be a process. Especially if you're fucking traumatized from being canceled. Expect that it could take a while, you know? Expect that you might feel a range of feelings. Panic. Despair. <laughs> you might feel, like, really stressed out. Um, you might feel hopeless and that's okay. You know, Yeah. keep at it, be persistent, keep trying. Yeah. I feel like I have a couple things to say just to the, specifically to the, the canceled yeah. among us Yes. who lost all of their friends and are desperately trying to build up new friendships. It will happen. And I think that one of the things about, especially if you were in the nexus and you got canceled, like one of the things that that does to your fucking head is that like you really feel like there's no one for you because like in a certain way at least I can speak for myself my own experience like it can kind of seem that people who are not in the nexus almost like don't exist like it's like part of the part of the brainwashing of the nexus is to make it seem like people who are outside of it are just like off the table you know um they're sort of like non-playable characters or they're they're like even like they're they're all like monsters you know um or they're scary in various ways you know but like in reality like all of those people are like most of them are like perfectly nice people yeah um most of them you might have to do a bit of work to like meet them on their level but like that doesn't mean that you can't you know um and also now that you're heavily canceled by your former community um i highly recommend trying to make friends with people who are completely outside of that community and have no fucking idea what it is because those are the people who are most likely to be like oh yeah your cancel thing like that's weird that's weird and crazy (laughs) cool so do you want to go play bowling or or play bowling do you want to go bowling yeah um yeah and you know i i really think that letting yourself let go of your former like indoctrination into the nexus and allowing yourself to just be friends with like very like normie people 
you know, people who, as we were discussing, who share principles with you and stuff, mm-hmm. who you find interesting in some way, but people who aren't necessarily, like, part of your former yeah. world um, is an extremely healthy and worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. And on the other side of that coin, like, I completely co-signed everything Jay just said. And I also think that I kind of had this idea when I was, you know, deprogramming and was, like, heavy in my cancellation trauma that, like, I would kind of only be friends with normies now because, like, I found so much of the subcultural aesthetic stuff of, like, queer world absolutely fucking triggering. Like, I was, like, I literally would have, like, a fucking, like, increased heart rate when somebody with, like, an asymmetrical haircut, like, came into the grocery store. Yeah. Like, absolutely absurd, you know? Yeah. Um, And I'm literally a queer person. And so it's actually been really cool to, over time, realize that, like, hashtag not all queers, like... That there are a lot of queer people yes. who are also, de- like, deprogramming from this, you know? And now that, like, you know, a couple of years have passed since the frenzy of 2020, um, there's a lot of people who are starting to be like, that shit is crazy. And so, like, don't write them off. And I think that it can be sometimes harder to, like, um, to uh, try to build friendships with people who seem to be aesthetically or subculturally um, connected to Nexus things. But, like, actually, like, talk to them, you know? Definitely if there's red flags, like, they're saying shit that's, like, terrifying, then, you know, probably don't. But, like, if they are, like, queer and they're, like, into queer stuff and they're, like, you know, doing, like, kind of, like, some cultural shit, but, like, they're not saying, like, terrifying shit, like, take the time to actually have the conversation with them and see, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, really a lot of people hate this stuff, you know? It's just, like... Not so many of them are willing to say it out loud. Yeah. But yeah, there's plenty of people who think this stuff is like completely insane, want nothing to do with it, and would be your friend, you know? And if you model that, like if you're brave enough to be honest about what you think about it, yes, it's scary, but you'll get rid of the ones who are terrifying because mm-hmm. they're not going to be your friend. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find the ones, like you'll model the courage to actually talk about this stuff, and then you'll find way more people, you know, some normies, but also like queers and like, you know, leftists and people who are like, that you vibe with on a political level um, and on a subcultural level as well. Totally. And, like, now I'm just, like, surrounded by queers who are not cancelers, you know? Yeah, and queers who are cancelled. And that's the other, yeah. that's the last thing I yes, want to mention yes, before yes. we, like, wrap this up is that, like, making friends with other people who have had their lives destroyed by this fucking bullshit um, and then making friends with their friends is yes. a good way to build up a literal, like, counterculture to this stuff. Yes. And to not cede all the space of queerness and, like, left politics to these fucking psychos. Um, and to say that, like, actually, like, we're not going anywhere. We're here. Um, we're queer. We're queer. We're canceled. <laughs> we're canceled. Get used to exactly. it. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just, you know, one of the cool things about, like, the parties that Clementine has and, like, other sort of, like, gatherings that we have with our friends and stuff is that, like, they're very queer spaces. Yeah. Everyone there is a leftist in, in one way or another. Um, and also, every single fucking person there thinks that cancel culture is fucking ridiculous and would never participate in it, yeah. you know? And th- that's an extremely healing um, experience. And, like, so we are, you know, building up that kind of, like, counterculture here in Montreal, um, just building up a little scene. Um, but you should be doing it wherever you are. Yeah, and, like, just, like, as one little anecdote before we finish, like... You know, I have, like, an acquaintance who who was in a different city and then moved here, and then we went for coffee because, like, I'm very proactive about being like, yeah, let's go for coffee when people seem cool. So we went for coffee, and, like, turns out, like, she's super, like, you know, on the same page about being against cancel culture, and we were talking about that, and then, like, she went on a Tinder date with, like, a random guy, and he was, like, 
he gave the disclosure thing. He was canceled and he was like, I like we're on a date. Like I need to tell you like blah, 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 blah. And she was like, damn, do I have a podcast for you? And then she like introduced him to the podcast, but then she told me about it and I was like, yo, invite him to the fucking party. And he came and it was so beautiful because it was like an experience where this is someone who has been like totally fucking traumatized, lost all their friends. And then, you know, he entered into a space with like four or five other like majorly canceled people were there. Plus, everybody else there had some kind of literacy around cancel culture, and everyone was just like, welcome, you know? Yeah. And, like, that is fucking beautiful and transformative. So, like, yeah. I think sometimes canceled people can be afraid to associate with other canceled people because they don't want to increase the cancel baggage, like, right. because you will also be canceled for their cancellations for being friends with them. Right. It's so fucking worth it, man. Do it. Do it. Take it on. Take on all the cancellations, you know, Um, because these are friends who fucking will understand what you've gone through. You guys can bond over that. And, you know, you have a shared, like, a really shared experience. And, like, if you're further down the road, it's, like, 12-step stuff, too. Like, if you're further down the road of cancellation recovery, like, you can, like, lend a hand and, like, help pull people out of the water who are, like, fucking drowning because they just got canceled, you know? So, you know. Definitely other canceled people, canceled for canceled, is, like, highly encouraged. Yep, definitely. All right, that about wraps it up for today. Yeah, so thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I'll see you next time. Yeah.